Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. In this episode, I interview my very close friend, Chris. He is someone who throughout my life has inspired me to be more and to be better. And to this day, he is someone that I truly admire. He is the ultimate risk taker. We talk a lot on this podcast about navigating the different paths of life. And Chris is a great example of someone who's found his way to fulfillment in a very non-linear, non-traditional way. He was a successful business consultant who took a break to join the Peace Corps, which significantly changed the course of his life and ultimately helped him define his true calling as a teacher. His advice, listen to that inner voice. Chris went to UVA and eventually obtained his MBA. He's traveled the world extensively. And while all of these are amazing accomplishments, I feel most grateful for our 36-year friendship. While we've had our ups and downs, we never gave up on each other, and as a result, we both benefit from having a true friend. Within those 36 years, a lot happened, (laughs) and Chris and I get real about dating each other and ultimately what happened for him to face his true identity and sexuality. Enjoy this episode. Let's start with uh, when we first met. Mm. I would love to know. I would love to know your recollection of when we, like, the very first time meeting me. That is good because I, I mean, I know your story because you said it at my wedding <laughs> um, about a St. John's Fair. Correct, a Christmas bazaar, if you will. Bazaar, that's right. Which my mother was selling some crafty item at. And you had uh, your hair split down the middle, and you had these like, you had um, little, little wings. It was. Do they call them wings? Feathered. I think it was called feathered. It was very yes, yeah. So in my memory, we met there. But what do you have a memory of meeting me, or not really? I just I think, all of a sudden appeared in your life. First, I I mean definitely by high school, but I want to say by junior high, even though you were going to St. John's. I was going to Longfellow. I want to say because like Meg was at, she was at Longfellow, I think. And somehow I think our cro- our paths crossed. Right. There. Or, yeah. you know, and I was still, I think we were still going to St. John's Church. So somehow. Right. With the, that crowd. Here's, here's what I would say about um, just in terms of our friendship and, and like when it started exactly or not. But I would say some of my very early memories, at least once I did officially know you, <laughs> is that you and I always um, like very quickly became very good friends. And I really don't like, I don't really remember this gradual, no. like getting to know you. It was like, you were someone that was very important to me during that time. Like if we talk about high school and someone that was very close to me and someone that meant a lot to me and it was like a deep friendship right away i would say yeah i agree and i don't um go ahead so many like i was gonna say like so many i think there was like this instant trust Mm -hmm. instant comfort to be able to share very personal stuff and i actually and i and i'm not sure like the i want to say one of the earliest memories not just the earliest memory but i just remember we would talk on the phone yeah would be long conversations (laughs) that it was yeah, for like seventeen-year-olds or something. Yeah, I would agree. You know, so it was like, like there's there an instant level of comfort to share personal stuff that I don't think I was sharing with anybody else. Right, I think that's true for me too. And so one of the things, I mean, I know you know this, but I'll just say it for the purpose of this conversation, which is like we hope that people in high school listen to this. I don't know that they always do. Sometimes I think parents that listen say, "Hey, kid, come listen," because there's some good stuff here, but. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that for me in high school that was so incredible was having these close friendships with people that were, I could be myself and I could be very much, um, let your guard down and, and share things with in a way that like, you know, it wasn't really for public consumption, right? Like it wasn't like, 
what we share to each other, and this is a testament to both of us, we weren't those kind of people that would then go and share that with other people. It was really just more um, a place to have, you know, because I had my own issues growing up in a dysfunctional family and you had your own. And I think we bonded on that. And it was, a, like you said, a safe place. Mm-hmm. A specific memory. Yeah. That I think you had said something about or wrote about my father. Like I remember early on, I was having a conversation and I, do you remember this? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> was, we were talking and I, you were trying, to, we were talking about my dad and there was, you know, my, I don't know if we'll get into it, but my dad and I were very different people. And, you know, my expectations, we didn't, you know, my expectations for, as a father weren't met. And of course his expectations for a son were not met. And so there were some, you know, definitely, but you, or I, I remember one time you challenging me to be like, well, your, your dad has made mistakes. And I was like, no, no. And I didn't, I was like, because I, I would kind of was trained, like I would never criticize it. I never, I should never say anything negative about my, about my parents. Mm. Just a really, and I'm not saying that you would, you know, encourage me to like critique my father, <laughs> but it was like a healthy thing to be able to say, he's not perfect. Right. And, and, and granted at the time I wasn't focusing on myself not being perfect, but it was just, it was one of those instances that I think, really helped me challenge what I where I was coming from mm-hmm. and what I really needed to start being able to express and I hadn't really been able to really you 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 encouraged me to like really challenge what I was oh. thinking, thinking about that at that time thank you yeah. uh, to your point friends like you for high schoolers and beyond I mean they're they're huge right they're huge. You know, it's so funny because in my brain, but um, because it's really not a segue, but but I it just it, it for for me, you know, given that I was not like as motivated of a student, <laughs> right? Which I've talked on this podcast before about that, but. Um, not in great detail, but that that you know, I was surrounded by, or I picked people. Let's not say I was surrounded by. I think I consciously picked people that I knew were motivated and hardworking and somewhere in me that existed. It just hadn't matured yet at that time. And so I think for me, in addition to us being very close and feeling like you were this safe place, you were also someone that I think was like super motivated and super smart and were spending time with me. And that was like meaningful to me in a way that I don't even think I could articulate then, but it somehow says I'm worthy by association. It must be in me somewhere. Right. And I'm curious from your perspective, like, did that ever even cross your mind? Right. Probably, probably not like my academic performance, but you know, it's interesting, like for me, because I think I was not, you know, it took me a while to kind of figure all the whole academic thing out. So I'm in, I'm curious from your perspective if that ever even crossed your mind. Well, not now as you describe it, and I think of it sort of like if mm. you're if you're from your perspective, if you were saying, "Hey, I'm surrounding my surrounding myself, pick these people that you know maybe will plant some seeds into me as to what I might do in the future." Like I think about what you brought to the the things of my I'm gonna say weaknesses or things I needed to work on, right? In terms of social skills and friendships and communication i mean that's where i think we talked about this back then about friendships being balanced yeah you know where there's got it i always and i still to this day feel like there's got to be a give and take right and as soon as i mean yeah we want to be selfless with our love but if, if there should be that sort of like mutual benefit that i, want, I mean it sounds awful it's not like an economic transaction <laughs> Right, right. I mean, that's we. I mean, we should. Everyone in a friendship or relationship, we should be getting something out of it. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. So, all right. So let's not. We're, there's so much to talk about. I want to dwell so much on high school, but I will say that I'm sure while I denied it and you denied it and whatever, given we were so close, everyone would say, "Why aren't you guys going out?" I think we both. Maybe it wasn't until that summer before we went to college. It was even a, uh, it's a hard thing to describe. And I think, um, 
you know, for people that maybe have this in high school, like I, I think it's hard to describe, but that as a boy and a girl, but having this very close friendship that felt very like safe and very much like a friendship. It wasn't rooted in anything other than that, I think, at first, right? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a very, it was intimacy. Right. Emotional. Yeah, level. for sure. Yeah. And then, um, and then I really don't remember the exact trajectory of this. <laughs> um, let's just say that you and I probably throughout our friendship, you know, went back and forth between being friends and being more than friends and, yes, you know, being like in love with each other, but being friends and trying to figure all of that out. Right. I would yes. say that's a fair, very yes. quick summation of something that took <laughs> probably eight, eight years or more to figure out. But um, for the purpose of the time that we had together, <laughs> but tell me first, just really quick about, about high school and, and kind of thinking about going into college and, what were some of your goals or did you have any goals at that time of like, I, I want to go to the school and I want to major in these things and this is what I want to do with my life. Did you did you know that early on? I know you've had a lot of um, experiences with traveling and other things through your dad and, and whatnot, but I'm curious like how conscious that was for you. I think for me, like I remember in high school, like I, for some reason I gravitated towards business classes and I took like, a couple business electives and it really I don't know, it did interest me and yeah. I was like, wow this and I was good at it, which is always a nice feeling as a teenager. Yep. And I was kinda of like this. So I think I had this mentality of like, yeah, I wanna go uh to to college and study business something business related. Um and what was so I, I think I had that interest and that focus and I could tell you know, I was kind of you know, I knew the sciences really weren't for me. I always seemed to kind of struggle with science I love math you know that was a natural fit for me um, and writing was was always a little bit of a struggle but yeah so I think that and then uh, so in terms of going to UVA that you know just seemed like the best option and then or you don't go get into the actual business school so like your first two years of college you have these prerequisites so you have to take economics and accounting all that stuff but then you're also required to take the general arts and sciences classes because mm -hmm. it, it really confirms whether, Hey, do you really, do you really want a business degree or not? Right. And, and I still had those, like I still, so I had to take a biology class and I remember that my first semester UVA and I struggled to no end. I was like staying up to four o'clock in the morning studying for the exams and I couldn't get better than a C. In what classes? Biology. Oh. This is college biology for my, for my first semester. And you know me, like that, like to put that much you know, up to that point, you know, I was always in high school, like, hey, put the effort into it, I should get an A, mm. right? That's my expectation going into it. And all of a sudden that wasn't happening. So do I think that was, I mean, a benefit for me to experience that, to be like, okay, like I'm still, and I'm like able to explore these other interests just to make sure that business is really my thing. Right. And then in fact, you know, in the end, fast forward some 15, 20 years, Business was my thing. I mean, there certainly was, but I, you know, one of my favorite colleges, my favorite classes back at UVA was children's literature, taught in the education. Wow, I loved that class, and and even and I in one time I was a TA for an accounting class. I love. I, I mean, that was like the plant. That was like the first experiences I had teaching, and you know, was I listening to my inside voice about maybe this? You should do this. You know, at that point, I kind of had set. I got into business school, and I was headed in that direction. So I doesn't. I wasn't really thinking of, oh, maybe I'll change at this point. Um, but it still, it gave me that exposure at least. So that was a good thing. Pretty amazing. Well, I say this because I don't know that I was plugged into it, but maybe more people are like you. That even in high school, you were like, these are the things that I I'm good at, or that I like to learn, or you know, I, that's a big thing for me now. Um, trying to help people understand or as I'm, you know, evangelizing what I am, it's really identifying what do you love to do? What gives you energy? What do you feel good about? And yeah. it's okay that it's not everything. And to your, to the extent that you are like, hey, I kind of like these things and I know I like them, so why not pursue them, I think is really smart. And it's good advice for people that are in school at any, honestly, high school or college, frankly, that are like, in this pattern of trying to figure it out. 
and I think, and at the same time, though, like, I mean, I, and I always tell this to when I've taught high school and college, it's yeah. also like, you know, as an 18 year old going to college, you don't have to know exactly what you want to do in life. That is true. College kind of helps you figure out and maybe even college won't help you figure that out. And, you know, and we'll talk about Peace Corps at some point, like yeah. Peace Corps, you might think, oh, that'll narrow your interest. Maybe that'll like blow open the doors and all of a sudden you're like, what else could I do? And yeah. I think, I don't know. I mean, I saw so, especially going back to UVA, so many people start off and be like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be pre-med. And then all of a sudden the realities of that, they're like, wait, that's yeah. not for me. And that's, and I want to say, and some people saw that as a failure and it's not, I mean, yeah. it's, our paths are not linear and right. that's for sure. Oh my gosh. That's like my paths are not linear. That should be the title <laughs> of the episode. Uh, okay. So you're in college and you are pursuing your business degree and would you say that from a college experience like what are the things that stand out for you as being meaningful or challenges or you know either high school or college but i would say you know we within that time frame like what are the things that stand out for you as you're personally going through that either successes or challenges that you think have morphed or shaped who you are today hmm. i know it's that's a lot it is a lot unpack that oh i will um i mean i think like in college in college like i yeah i mean there was like there were so many there were challenges one thing i one very specific one that comes to mind is learning how to write because mm-hmm. i remember getting a teacher and this is my junior year of college and I gave, handed in a paper and it came back and it was an F and it had, it was just like bleeding in red ink. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like I thought I knew how to write something, but, right. and I, but I really didn't. And so that was, I, I still to this day talked about, mention it to my students about, Hey, like I really didn't figure out how to write well until college. And mm-hmm. then you know, then it was became a skill like later on in life when when we were then writing emails, we were like, oh my God, you write so well. And it was because I had that kind of wake up call, how to write more clearly and directly and not use the passive voice so much. Uh, so that was something really specific that stands out in a skill that I developed at the time. Um, challenges, like I think what shaped me and I was sort of, it started before college and through high school and it was just something I do give credit to my dad about was like he kind of always instilled in me and my brothers this sort of like hey if you want something you got to work for it mm. like you know and so i you know worked you know certainly every summer yeah um, I, during college i remember and the one time you know, i've been taking spanish up to that point and i decided for some reason i wanted i was tired of spanish and i wanted to learn french and what better way to really switch into languages but then to go do an immersion program <laughs> And, and my parents were like, no, you shouldn't do that. And that's, I guess, another thing is like making a lot of choices that my parents really didn't fully weren't on board. But I was like, no, I think this is the best thing for me. I think that's during that time period, I started making more of those decisions. Yeah. But, and then it was like, okay, if I'm going to go to France and I need to make, you know, and then I need to have a job to be able to make that happen. And I had like two jobs that summer before I left. Um, so I think that sort of like level of independence mm-hmm. and level like, okay, this is what I want to try to do, and this is what I'm going to do, uh, and would work you, towards it. Would you characterize yourself as a confident person? In I think in certain ways, yes. In other ways, especially if I look at myself retrospectively or in the past, there were certain aspects of me, like even going into my first job, I was not confident about. Um, but driven, yes. Mm. And like focused on like a goal and working towards it, definitely. And so what was the goal? Was the goal making money? Was the goal being in a job that like you felt like this matters? Is the goal like, you know, everyone has these different stations of like feeling like, oh, I've arrived, right? Like for for me, there was a certain thing that was like, this will mean I've arrived. And so I'm curious, even at that early age, are you thinking that? Or is it like, what is it that would validate your work, the the work ethic? I mean, in certain in certain ways, I would say like what validated me was the experience, like you know, just thinking about that right. going to going to that going to France, and that was hard. That was like my first time really. When did going you overseas. do that? When? Yeah, it was the summer between my 
uh, sophomore and junior year of college. That might and have been during the friend breakup. <laughs> in fact, it was. It was. <laughs> but you went there later on. You and Meg went to Yeah, MC. we did. We did. We did. Um, <laughs> that's a whole, that could be a whole podcast episode in and of itself, but that's yeah. okay. So like that, and that was like a huge, like for me, like the satisfaction of actually like, and that was risky and I was scared. I'm yeah. a 19 year old on my own and in scary Europe. And I think about like, you know, so what was I working towards? And like, and then I think about at UVA, I was like the president of this international student club. And that had a lot, I, I think I, so there's that experience side that was my goal or my, what validated what I was doing. I also wanted, I don't know, even though I'm an introvert and you know that I'm an introvert, um, I think I was, I wanted that sort of social, social interaction or social people say like, oh, like we look up to him, we, he's responsible, we can believe him, we can get behind him. Right. And I think even going into my first job, I kind of felt like that. I mean, I made good money off in my first job. I mean, there's I want- ego. It's a little bit ego, right? It's like, yeah. I think it's a little bit of validating, like I'm a smart guy. I'm a guy that can get stuff done. And I'm a guy that at that time, which it's drastically changed for you, but I would, I will challenge you to say that at that time, like I have big earning potential and I'm, I can, I can do this. Like there's something about that, right? That was at least a kernel of that drive. Except for like, it was more about the, 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 like, social status. It wasn't about the money. It was about like, yeah, like I can do this job. I can live up to this challenge. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that's a little bit outside my comfort zone, like, hey, I can try to, I can do this. And I can, like, I like I remember my first job, they, all of a sudden, like, they wanted me to use this database and figure out, I mean, the, the very specific thing. And at first I was like, oh my God, this is so intimidating. I've never done this kind of computer work. And then I got really good at it. And then it was like, that was my goal is to be able to come, become uh, good at it. Then right. it would rely on me and say, hey, let's give Chris this work. Right. We can, we can delegate this to Chris because he's, he's got this. He's learned how to do this. I think that was more motivating, and to this, obviously, to this day, in terms of income potential, <laughs> um, that's a whole other story. Well, I mean, your story, I think, is so fantastic on so many different levels because you are someone who, I mean, you talked about it like you going to France after your sophomore year is so indicative of all these other things that you've done, which I think is. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it's like you have felt a need to do something yeah. for what, regardless of the source or the reason, and you brave the uncertainty and pursue that. And mm-hmm. I think that is such a unique talent and gift. And then you, the thing about it that I've seen firsthand is that then you, and I've I've experienced it a little a little on my own, but not to the extent that you have. But you, the rewards that you get when you do that are like yep. triple, quadruple, like five times what you expect. And I, 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 that's the thing about you and your story, and what I hope people understand: the risks that you've taken when you don't know what the outcome's going to be, when you are, but you're following this gut instinct. Right. It's so powerful. And it has manifested for you, I think, all of these, and we're going to talk about it more, but it has manifested all these phenomenal relationships and experiences for you because you've listened to that and been Mm -hmm. in tune to that. And I think you cannot, like, undermine or dilute the power of of you doing that. And I, I think it's like everything today is about mindfulness and following your heart and being in your strengths and like you had sort of this it's kind of amazing to think about you had the ability even 20 years ago to do that without yeah. without all the words that sort of go with it now you know um and I, and I think that with that and thinking about like the bumps along the road right yeah again and, and going back to <laughs> the path is not linear yes like hey I've got this gut feeling I need to take this risk I need to go after this experience and and learning i mean along the way that hey i i that sometimes didn't work out right there were the things that all of a sudden hey i did this and oh god this is not what i expected oh crap now what right and be and be and i think that's what i've learned along the way is how to roll with it right and how to accept it 
for what it is and not let that limit me saying, oh, this is why I shouldn't listen to my gut or that's why I shouldn't try to take this risk. I love it. Tell me about Peace Corps. So you, um, I can't quite remember the exact timetable, but you left college. You had a consulting job for a couple of years, right? And, um, And then what happened? You know, you had left college, you got your first job, it was in consulting, and then Peace Corps followed that, if I'm right. Yep. And so right. tell me about that process and what brought you to doing that. Sure. So, yeah, I was so I was outside New York City at a job that was, you know, I'd say typical of somebody just out of undergrad business school. And, you know, rewarding job, well-paying, but really stressful. I don't know if you remember that. Like, it was... A stressful environment, not a really healthy environment, and and I was certainly at that again another thing. Like I, at that point, I was doing some volunteer work on the side, teaching English to yeah. recent immigrants, and feeling so much satisfaction and fulfillment from that experience. Um, and my one of my brothers who had been in Peace Corps in Africa came through to visit me, and he's just like, "What are you doing with your life?" <laughs> so it was a nice little message coming into me, but like. You know, you're not you're making good money, sure, but you're not healthy. You're uh, stressed out, and you're you know 24 years old. Like, and he's like, you should think about Peace Corps. And I was, I was like, I can't like Peace Corps. And I, my image of Peace Corps was like, oh, you have to be in rural Africa digging ditches and live this very, you know, agricultural based life. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, and at that point in the mid 90s, Peace Corps just opened up in Eastern Europe, and they were looking for business people. And I was like, and that I wasn't, I hadn't been aware of. So I was like, well, like I was kind of like that, that point in my life. And a lot of people will say this about Peace Corps. It's like, Hey, if I'm not, things aren't working out here. Why not try to do something like that? Like get way outside your comfort zone. So yeah. So I applied kind of like not really thinking, we'll see what happens. It wasn't like, Oh, now I'm dead set. I want to do Peace Corps, but I'll see. I was like, let's see what happens. This will be really good for my Spanish. Cause I'm not really fluent in Spanish. Like I'll, I'll, I want to go to Latin America. And then in the end, you know, they just, Peace Corps uh, decided, and I was supposed to, they initially, my application was going to send me to the Dominican Republic, but then something happened. They're like, oh, wait, we've got this great job where it requires people with, with a couple years of business experience and it's in Western Samoa. All right. We have to tell the story. We have to tell the story. So, so I have not, I still am not, I try as best as I can to be good at recalling geography. I generally have a sense, but I'm really not very good. And so you called me to tell me where you were going yes. and you tried to articulate it over the phone, like where, and I was like, no, no, no. And so your step-by-step instruction was like, go to a, go to a world map, which I did. <laughs> and you're like, yes. and I, we were I like the DC, that. like the East coast, right? And you're like, go to California. Go to Hawaii. Like, so I'm literally like taking my finger, go to Hawaii. And you're like, go to, I think like Fiji, you maybe said, and then go keep like, it was like, keep going. Right. So, um, and you're like, oh, my God, you see the little dot in the middle of the ocean. It was a tiny dot. It was a tiny dot. And well, it was, it, it's barely a dot on any map. I just, it's just, it's still, it's still amazing to me that you, I mean, I, it's one of the things I love about you so much, but I, I, I just, and as, as certainly in like now in my advanced age, I see the value. Like I, I don't, I think I was so one naive and limited in my own view to understand the value of what that experience could bring you. And that, mm-hmm. and that we all fall into this trap of, of like step by step, step by step. And you follow kind of this traditional path. And so for for people that are listening or that I think can benefit from your story, I certainly have just knowing you, but it's just like take chances, do different things, shake stuff up. It's taken me a very long time to really shake my stuff up. Um, and it's been something that I am so grateful for. And and it's because I think of people like you that I've known and and others that take those chances. So Yeah, and it's just, it's I think it's a willingness to be like, to take that left turn or whatever in yeah. your life to, instead of being like, I'm going to be on this tra- trajectory. Like this is my, and, and I think this is what's changed a little bit between our generation and our parents' generation of like, you get a job and you work in that job until Correct. you retire. Right. But, 
And that was something, and uh, my apologies to, to parents who are listening, is like, you know, I, if I listen to my dad. Our parents, you know, thought, you're, th- you're saying, like our parents' generation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when I decided, I was like, hey, I want to I wanna do Peace Corps, my dad was like, you're crazy. Why would you ever do that? You've got this great job. What, well, you're insane to think this is a mistake. And he may even said that to my other brother who graduated from Cornell and he went straight into Peace Corps. And the quote that, you know, my mother, bless her heart, you know, said was like, oh, well, you know, hopefully you'll use your degree in two years when you get back. <laughs> right. Was that like mindset of like, you're taking a break from your life and then, okay, then you'll come back to normal when you get right. done, get this out of your system. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like this is... And that's the thing I'm going to say about, not that I want to yeah. be an, adverti- an advertisement for Peace Corps, but it's just to this day, you know, it's now 25 years later, right. it's still like the experience of my life that totally changed where I was headed. Yeah. And it's just, and even when I was writing all these, back, this is like pre-internet, pre, you know, we were writing letters and we you wrote were. me plenty of letters, which I totally appreciated. Um and I just did, it was so much, because I was so far away from everything yeah. and so much time to really kind of like figure myself out a little bit in many ways, not always, and we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I just, yeah, I remember people saying, wow, you're doing so much like, I don't know what the word, like finding myself. I mm-hmm. did so much, most people do in that kind of experience because you're just so far out there and you can kind of, we rediscover discover yeah so let's talk about that a little bit like what are the things that surfaced for you in that experience that really you said it like massively changed your life so what what happened there i mean again i and like from a professional perspective yeah like the part of my job that i loved the most most was like i was teaching people how to use their computers and doing it in a way that was built on relationships and doing it in a way where I use my language skills, because that was one thing that, at that point, I learned that I was really good at picking up language and being able to like pick it up and use it, which mm. I think is also a testament to kind of like we were just talking about, like of being willing to like take risk, like I would learn something and yeah, I have good recall and I could spit it out again, but I was willing to make those like sound stupid, which mm-hmm. I think holds back people from trying a language. And I'd be like, I don't care if I make a mistake. I'm going to say it, and then hopefully somebody will correct me, or hopefully yeah. I won't offend it. Right. Um, but like on our personal level, like I think, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it it for me, even though, and I made some amazing friends there. There were some really challenging times in terms of loneliness. Mm. Uh, just being so far, and I remember, and I came back from my brother's wedding, which I believe you attended, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> coming back from that two week experience and being back, like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so homesick. And so, and like, the, and finding the strength to be that determination still like, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up on this. Um, that was, that really pushed me. Yeah. Uh, live. And I was living with a family that really challenged my ideas of privacy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have privacy because I was living with them and there weren't really walls to speak of. <laughs> you know, what's kind of thing too. I don't know if you're going there, but like, I've had a couple of experiences in my life now where because I did this, I can do anything. So one of the things that I was able to do at Deloitte before I left, I had to present in front of our executive board, the most senior people in the organization. I had to memorize. I had no slides. Like it was just sort of like there was no safety net and it was one of those moments where it was like the most powerful people in the room. And for me presenting in that space, I know now I can present anywhere, anytime. Like there's something about whatever you think that scary thing is, you face it, you do it, you know, you can do it. And for you to go into that environment, be so isolated, get through that, learn a lot about yourself. It's almost like you have that recall to say, even in your most, now even now 20 30 years later like if you have a moment that's challenging you you're like yeah but i did x right like i can do this like like when you really challenge yourself in those ways yeah and i think that's and that sort of led that definitely led to more of those experiences right like you know like 
living in different cultures and climates and be like, oh, you know, like all of a sudden I would have that uneasy moment or moments or day, you know, day or two or whatever. And there would be that recollection. Wait, I've done this before. Right. I can, I yeah. can do this before. I can do it again. And yeah. I won't, even if I mess up, I'll get through it. And, but I know I can handle this. So you finished Peace Corps. Yep. And do you go right to B school or I can't, like you have a so, job. I can't remember. I come, I come back from Peace Corps and everyone, like I say, I love the work I was doing. I like development, international development work, and I want to still kind of do business stuff. And everyone that I talked to for informational interviews, which was a great, I can plug that. I think that's an amazing outlet yeah. to understand what people's careers are like. But everyone said, you need to go to grad school. You're not going to get anywhere in Washington without a grad degree. And I decided, you know, it was kind of like, do I go for a master's in international development or do I go for something more generic, an MBA? I decided to go the more generic route, MBA. Um, but, you know, I knew, and I, I was going to take a year to apply. I wasn't ready to apply right then. I needed a year. So my old company back in Connecticut hired me, right. fully understanding that I was applying for business school. And then here's another thing that, you know, wasn't really listening to my parents was, you know, they, I got into the University of Chicago and my boss offered to pay for it if I was willing to commit to come back to that company. And there was no way in heck that I was going to do that because <laughs> I was like, this is not what the type of work I wanted to do. Because it was, it, when we think about something I, you know, meaningful to do, like I was had just experienced with Peace Corps. I mean, this company, bless their heart, you know, they were like helping large corporations cut staff and cut resources. And then right. the end, like that's right, not, right. not satisfying at all. And so while I was very appreciative that they took me back on, because they knew they could get work out of me, right. which is a good thing, I was like, no, thank you. I'd rather deal with, you know, they, at that point, seemed to, so expensive to have $75,000 worth of student loan debt. Right. I was willing to take that on. So there's two things uh, about that I'd love to point out. One, the fact that after two years they wanted you back, that says a lot about what you did while you were there. The relations, like the relationships that you kept and the networking, like, so, you know, me and my soft skill stuff, right? So I believe like, you know, how you leave a situation is, is as important as how you enter it, the relationships that you make, the networking that you do. So the fact that they wanted you back and offered you this position, knowingly kept you for a year that you wanted to leave and offered you to pay and you said no, and they still, st and you still were able to do that. Like that says a lot, I mean, a lot about you and you know, what you bring to the table and, and I think your work ethic and everything about you. So it's just, it's really important to note that how you behave in these types of situations, you just never know the long-term impact of what can happen. And I think along those lines and more like in your line of work about the soft skills. Yeah. And that's, that is really, and I'm not, I don't know where it started in terms of understanding and not, and then not saying that it's effortless but like in, in organizations, I do, I feel like I, and maybe Peace Corps was where I got really good at it, was like getting into an organization and, and figuring out how to, Maneuver. I mean, like have really, have really productive relationships that mm -hmm. people aren't threatened by me, that they feel like I have a lot of value to add. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm say like, I don't know better words. Like I'm a nice guy. Like I want, and I'm personal <laughs> and I, and I do care. Cause I feel like a very, yeah, like, but you are, you're all those things, but you deliver. So there's, there's, yeah. there's the, there's the being nice and you are like, you are easy to work with, but then there's this, like, if I, this is a big piece of it. Like if I want something done, I trust that Chris will get it done. Like it's that integration of like, being productive and helpful and good yeah. plus being nice and kind and in wanting to connect right you have to like deliver too extremely competent at what they did yes the deliverables but yes. they just rub people the wrong way and they really don't know the how to like and, and not to say that you have to like it's not manipulating people it's just being it's i think it comes down to empathy and right and, and making those connections yeah agree all right, I so keep what were you gonna say? Oh yeah, I was gonna say. All right, so now we are we gotta get into the good stuff. Oh I know. Sorry. No, it's it's all good. It's all really good. We have to be in an hour, right? I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Right. Um 
Maybe a little. Edit. Maybe you'll be a little over. Um, okay, so you and I dated post. Oh, can I say one more thing before we move from professional? Side? Yes. Sorry, because I want to say something like so. Post MBA again, like every all of a sudden I started thinking, oh, maybe I need because I have all this debt. I need to get a big like typical post MBA yeah. job. I for for a little bit was like, okay, maybe I'll try that. I was in an interview once and this person was I was horrible because I wasn't I didn't have my heart in it at all and I was just just struggling and this person I, I can't remember what company it was and it was a woman she's like well what do you really want to do and I then I was like well I wanted and I started talking about Peace Corps and all that and she's like why are you talking to me we don't do she's like why we don't do any of that and I it was one I needed that like I mean I was like I every now and then like I needed that wake up call I'm like no I don't want to do this. Mm. And it again, like I got me back on the path that I wanted to. And yeah, I had to take a set. I mean, and I got it a great job. It wasn't high paying. I had to really balance and figure out how to like pay off my student loans while, while working for a less, you know, lower salary, but it was so rewarding in the end. You went and to I work remember, for Peace Corps. I, yep. No, I was working for a US for USAID at that point, okay. or like a contractor for USAID, but making very little money for MBA person mm -hmm. and but i remember like you know three months into it i was all of a sudden working in india on a renewable energy project project and all my friends at mba from mba school who were making a hundred thousand plus were like oh my god you're so lucky that you you have that such a cool job and i'm like no 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 <laughs> and i like going back to your point about like picking people in your lives like we make active choices to do this stuff right and i was like this not luck and yeah we all made and this is the path I've chosen. Right. And it's fantastic ever since. No, okay, I think sorry. that's huge is the conscious choice. You no, know, you've made very conscious choices along the way that you knew the over under on and did it anyway. Right. Because yeah. I think yeah. ultimately you're driven by your soul and your spirit and what you feel is going to be the right thing and fulfilling, which I feel is so hard for so many of us to do and you are anchored in that. I mean, it's something I feel so like I benefit from knowing you from that perspective. And I think if people can root themselves in that, it just is a lot easier, right? <laughs> like yeah. in terms of just, I've learned this later now, but like, I just think it makes everything so much easier when you're rooted in those things and you're being driven by those things. Um, yes. Okay, okay, so now, like, let's get in a little bit into kind of the relationship stuff. And um, so you and I dated, I think, post-Peace Corps. Pre-Peace Corps and post-Peace Corps. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, we dated me. before Peace Corps and after Peace Corps. But anyway, I'm just going to kind of cut to the chase and say we had a very, um, I would say, significant conversation where you and I were dating. You were about to go to Chicago for business yep. school and I was going to move to Chicago or there was a lot of discussion about me moving to Chicago to be with you while you were in business school. And yep. um, there were conversations by my friends. I, you know, I don't know how much you and I never had talked about it a lot, but there definitely was like input in on my end around um, you and your sexuality and whether or not like you were really, um, heterosexual and and whether or not this was like a real you know relationship for like the like a sustainable thing and yep. um i think because you and i had had such a like tumultuous um up and down the the friend breakup all these things but i had felt so i mean connected to you emotionally like soul to soul that i just couldn't even fathom being with anyone else or going down another path and then you know, as this was getting closer and you were going to school and I was, you know, and experiencing things differently on my end, I started having some questions about that and questions about us and whether or not, you know, this was really the right thing for us. And um, I remember, I don't know, it wasn't like in lockstep order, but there was definitely like an Oprah or something that I saw where, where a woman had like, you know, woke up one day and like her husband left her because he was gay oh, yeah. and something, right? Something happened where I, I was like, that's going to be my life. Like for as much right. as we love each other, like 
is as much as he loves me, like he's going to have this realization and he's going to leave me and I'm going to, for a guy, and I'm going to be stuck with our three kids. And I just had this like very... Three kids in that scenario. (laughs) Five kids, whatever it was. And, um, and I remember calling you and being terrified to have this conversation with you, um, Hmm. horribly terrified because of what it meant, right? That, that it could not only the ending of our romantic relationship, but the possibly the ending of our friendship, right? Because it's a pretty bold thing. Good old Malachi. Got to get to the front desk. Um, and so I called you and we had this conversation. So that was sort of my context for that. And then maybe you can talk a little bit about from your perspective, what, what that was like for you. I learned something about your perspective that I didn't know. Um, what I, my, so I remember back in college after we were done with our friend breakup, you were at Marymount and we had a conversation where I thought, I was like, oh, maybe I'm attracted to men too. And I was like, I'll do, I mean, bisexuality is a thing but at that point it was kind of like oh maybe that'll be like the easier way to say i might be gay mm-hmm. but, but then I, I i said it i felt like that was the first time i'd ever said it to anybody and then it was like boom done um so and i what i didn't realize is that you had other people telling you or like saying mm-hmm. hey do you really want to go down this path with chris we're not sure because i my perspective of that was yeah we were about to move to chicago um we had just done the dolphin mm. camp experience. It was amazing. Amazing. But that's not dolphin. <laughs> but best and, trips you, ever. and you just seemed so I didn't realize it was an Oprah thing, but you definitely I remember you saying, Wait, Chris, like we're headed down this path to marriage. And and you said it's exactly what you just described. I remember you kind of saying, like, I don't want to wake you've you've I think you said you've buried any possibility that you might be gay so deep that you're not you haven't even addressed it you haven't even come close to addressing it and and you said like i don't want to wake up 10 years from now and all of a sudden not be not be you know your interest in life and i think that took i mean from my perspective it was so i I mean to this day i am so grateful that you had the courage to do that because i needed that kick in the pants and i don't know I don't know what I, I mean. I, I think we would have maybe gotten married if you hadn't like said, right. "Put your foot down, be like you need." And it, it was kind of like, and I even kind of remember you kind of saying, "Like you need to explore it." And then if in the end it's not you, then maybe we could still work out. But right. you, you, can, I don't want to go there unless you are fully aware of it. And I, I totally needed that. And I, and I remember, and you, we still drove to Chicago together. I we did. That. We did. And yeah. it was, and it was. And it wasn't like at that point where all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm going to be gay and this is going to be great. But it was kind of like at that point, it started me finally looking at myself and being like, maybe this is me. And I have been bearing my attraction to men just because of all the baggage that came with it. Right. You know, family and religion and all that stuff. Um, it, 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 I mean, if if Peace Corps was a change in my life in terms of like the direction mm-hmm. I had in terms of what I what I experienced in terms of professional and relationships and where I've lived and all that stuff, I mean that moment was huge. Yeah, and I really I mean great. I don't know. Grateful seems like a, a like a weak word to describe it. No, well I think it's you know to me it's like pure love, right? Like that that to me is when. Um, you um you know i i think making having that conversation and sort of knowing what the potential help come was going to be for me right given Uh, like you were this person to me that i had not experienced anything like that with anyone else so i think um but ultimately you that's the thing about like friendship and love and really being there for people is you you sometimes have to put your own needs aside and ultimately we've both ended up in circumstances that are probably much better suited for us i would say probably with 100 percent certainty given the sexual dynamic but (laughs) but other uh, outside of that i would say um you know like it just i don't know in in a weird way like while i was so terrified to have that conversation 
like it's brought us even closer and I've never doubted our friendship and um I don't know it it's all worked out right I mean ultimately it's not without yeah and because I mean yeah it came out of a place of pure love but it also it came out of a place of honesty right and like being honest each other and being honest with ourselves and I certainly wasn't holding up to my end of the bargain being honest with myself right well I it's a pretty extraordinary thing to to face and to deal with particularly uh how long ago was that um that when I went to Chicago yeah or uh that was 1997 so not a lot of great uh I mean, come a long way <laughs> in terms of just, you know, socially accepting and still a long way to go on that front. But I think given everything you're up against um, to to face that. Um, so, I mean, gosh, we're almost I mean, we we've covered a lot, but not really near enough. I would just say that um, for that experience and for anyone listening that's struggling with that. Um, their sexuality or coming to terms with their sexuality or being public about that you know what what advice do you have like what what are one or two things that you would say to help someone that's in that space um to to be you know that um yeah that's it's tough because i mean as a teacher and Mm -hmm. like here at my school we have like a gsa club a gay straight alliance Mm -hmm. club so I'm around kids where I can try to like be, I, I guess, yeah, that's the thing. Like back when I was that age, when I really, I mean, I knew, you know, of course I knew. How early did you know? Oh, I knew in junior high. You did. As soon, it is so clear to me when I look back that, you know, who I was hanging out in sixth grade and then what, the changes I made through, I'd say pretty much seventh grade was that pivotal year. And all of a sudden, I mean, like I knew who I was attracted to, but just couldn't mm-hmm. you know and i and i and i want to say you know nowadays it seems it's fantastic to see i mean like you know there's some they're openly gay kids in my middle school right and that's awesome is it perfect absolutely not i mean there's still a lot of like you know yeah lgbt slander that's going out there and so many kids are so homophobic and it's because of mostly because of where they're coming from in their home life and their religion and it's it's awful still. It's better, but it's still awful. And I, don't, I mean, the advice I get would give is just uh, it's patience. And like never, I would say, even though I was so late coming out as a twenty nine, really twenty eight year old, like in there are times that I look back, like oh, I wish I had, I wish I had. But like in the end, I want to say accepting that timing for what like it happened. I'm right. glad it happened. It, you know, didn't happen when I was this age. Um, but who knows? I mean, like, I think in some ways there's timing does work out for a reason. Right. I mean, it works out when it's supposed to in, in some ways, as long as we're not in complete denial for too long. I don't know if that makes sense. Right. I mean, I think I like I think about Peace score because that's oftentimes a, a place for people to feel comfortable to come out because you're so far away from who you were, the people who knew you. So you can reinvent yourself. Um, but at that point, like, who knows if I, I think about some situations that I could have experience and I might not have been safe right. know, in terms of my health right so uh, so I think patience I think I mean just uh, it goes back to almost like what you said before about listening to your gut because we know I think we know who we are and when you find when we accept who we are right and and I, I'll say this in terms of like my well, this is maybe too graphic but like my first experience it was just like such i mean like i think i started to exhale a little bit of mm-hmm. holding in what had been inside me for so long when you know when we split not we didn't split up but yeah. we went several ways but when i had that first experience i was like holy cow like this is what it's supposed this, to be like this is who i am like of mm-hmm. course this is who i am right and you know there's just so much that we have to like sift through and get through to be able to like okay this and be ready for that and open to that and it's just it's just a wonderful thing to to finally be comfortable in your own skin and i think that's where you know yeah i don't know i just think it's it's it seems like it's getting better and people are being able to do that earlier in life but 
it's still not great, but it's fantastic when it happens. And we're, I mean, we're hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, for know. sure. I mean, certain place, part, parts of the world where I've lived, it's not even close. Right, so. right. Um, and I will say I got to be the best person in your wedding. And we can't, That's like, right. we'd be remiss if we didn't mention your awesome, beautiful, wonderful husband, Charles, who's amazing and uh, welcomed me with open arms given our um, history. So that's not always the case either, right? So yeah. not no. remotely threatened by that and always so kind and generous. So um, he's phenomenal. And and you're phenomenal. And I would say, I mean, we don't have a ton of time left, but I would just say, you know, so you now are an eighth grade math teacher. Yeah. And um, between like B school in Chicago and now a lot has happened for you and Charles. You've both traveled the world extensively working with Peace Corps and other organizations. And um, I think, I, I guess, you know, there's so much I would like to cover, but in terms of where you've lived and all those experiences, I, I think what's interesting is, you know, how did you find your way to being a teacher? And if you think about it, it kind of as such a departure from yeah. uh, the business lane or, or, or maybe it is, or maybe it isn't, I don't know. And I, and the thing that I would love for you to talk about too, because I think people can relate to this, the way that you and Charles have managed your uh partnership in terms of like okay you're gonna go do what you want to do and i'm gonna take a back seat and you're right like you guys have done this like very masterful it's like a master class on on how you've been able to do that so maybe just talk a little bit about that and and how you guys have done that sure because yeah and i think the choices we've been able to make it's it's part in due to like the financial security that we've been able to build right and you know because we had really good paying jobs when we lived in washington and we moved overseas, still with Peace Corps, again, very secure place. And then when you know, then when we switched and he was working for Peace Corps, and I was like, okay, I've always kind of done all this teaching stuff on the side. And I, we had that security where I could say, hey, let me try to explore to see if this would be something right. that I might want to do as a career, a second career. And, you know, when we were living in the Philippines, I got that chance. The school took a chance on me not being a trained credentialed teacher. And it was, I was like, this is, I love, you know, like all previous jobs when I've done teaching or training, I loved it. Hmm. And that was, that's what like got me the most satisfaction. So all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, oh, in the, in the classroom, this is day in and day out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, and that's now been 10 years since I made that switch. And then, you know, had to make the investment of a you know teaching degree and all that went into that and i love it it's exhausting to this day <laughs> i mean it is by far i mean it's a super rewarding yeah profession I, and it's certainly not it really i i hate to say it, it's still it's not respected across the board right. i say i mean parents i think parents do appreciate it sometimes <laughs> um but it's it's just but in those moments when I ever and every now and then I still will do some you know work that I did finance work that I did for USAID I'll do that in the summers for contract work to make up for the poor right. teachers I have um, but I'm always like the the connections I have with these kids and those moments where I I can make a little bit of a difference or and there's things where I'm like. Yeah, you know, I hear. I'll hear. Get an email from parents where you're like, "Oh, I can't, you said this to you know your class and da da da." And I just, I want to let you know the impact it had on us as a family. And I was like, "I'm floored by that." Yeah, I just love. I mean, that's the that's what dry, you know keeps me going even when it's you know I'm working ten hour, eleven hour days and weekends and I don't know. I love it. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's been just to find this passion that I have and have the chance also to feel like I'm still figuring out how to be a good teacher. Less of a learning curve the more we do it, but every day is something challenging. You know, it's so interesting. I, I do a lot of coaching and I've been coaching more recently people that are faced with this question, their mid-career and like, should I, should I pivot? And I've been on this one path and should I do something different? And the fact that as you've talked about in terms of both with, with, with Charles, but then also just in professionally, like when you're in something and you know it's right and it feels right and it's sort of striking all those areas of like what gives you joy and energy and strength, it, it, 
even though it's hard and you have long days, you know it's right. It, it's very different than when you're in a job that you could be doing very well financially, you could be doing very well from a status standpoint, and yet it doesn't feel like you're connecting. And so I think for you, well, again, like this common thread for you of like finding this connection to like feeling like I have to be fulfilled and connected. And I think too, you know, what you've talked about in terms of that legacy of teaching, uh, Paul's dad was a teacher and um, passed away about 10 years ago. And I couldn't even, church was like, like people were like, it was so much, so many people there <laughs> that like yeah. we couldn't really seat everyone. And I, it was just this overwhelmed and underappreciated and they are at the same time, I could see physically that impact that you're having, that all of you are having. Right. I love teachers. I feel so passionate about teachers, but that you just don't know, you know, you don't know cause you're in it. And, and like right. your, your impact and the ripple effect of all that is amazing. So I hope you can take that in a little bit. Um, I know. And I know this, I mean, a lot of times you say as middle school teachers, like there's some things uh, that we are, oh my we're gosh. planting seeds. And we're never going to, even by the time they finish eighth grade, we're not going to see it. But who knows? Yeah. You know, some high school or sometime in college, there might be something they're like, wait. Yep. And I made sense to me. One thing I will tell you, like, throughout all my interviews, most of them, people say that middle school is so tough for people. So if you, like, it is such a transition, it's such a huge, I mean, you talked about it. I think so much is happening developmentally in that time that if you're like, a harbor in the storm or you're someone that has like seen as you know it got exactly what you said like you may not have that moment where the person's looking at you saying thank you so much that's great sage advice but three years from now five right. years from now that you know they they could very well have that and i think it's um it's pretty extraordinary that's true that's for true. sure all right, so I typically ask people as we wrap up when you think about uh, your younger self, and so this can be like your high school, college, even like kind of entering the workforce, like what what advice like would you give yourself? Um, I mean, you are someone who's unique in that I feel like you have always listened to your gut and you have followed your path the way that you wanted to, but I am curious if you could, you know... <laughs> distill that or boil it down like what advice would you go back and say hey chris you know listen to this buster well i mean i would say you know i think like don't ever i mean there were times there were certainly many times where i doubted myself in terms of what the path i was the path that wasn't linear yeah i, didn't, I doubted myself and so i think i would tell myself hey trust it like be okay with that uncertainty and don't be and know that those those bumps in the road and those failures and whatever that's part of it and you're it, you're going to get through it based on all you know the stuff you did and i mean on the personal side you know i wish i you know some i do kind of wish i was like hey i wish young chris i wish you had been more honest with yourself early on about your sexuality and i wish you know I had been in a place where I could have been honest with myself earlier, not to regret right. what happened, you know, that it took me so long, but at the same time, like, ah, it just, because there was like many years of angst, right? you know, and I, I, if I could have avoided that, some of that, it would have been, I think, really good for me. Can I ask you one question? Because I, I don't know the answer to this. Did you ever get like any type of therapy or counseling? No. You haven't? I, you know. Was that was me? It, it, <laughs> Was that my job? <laughs> it was. I think know? there's some. I, I think there's an overdue balance, actually. I do. You can send me the bill. Be happy to pay with interest. Please, uh, yeah. I mean, but I think, and that was a thing. I think, yeah, it would. It would never like that. That for me and my family, that would have been like, oh, that's a sign of weakness. Right. Just, right. That's what you would never go to talk to some stranger about your issues. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, it could. I mean, I'm. I mean, like at our school, we have a school. I mean, I don't know. Like we have a school psychologist and school counselor and all that. Uh, would I? I mean, if times are different, would I seek sought out help from them at mm-hmm. that point? I don't think. Again, I wasn't in the place to like. Yeah, I mean, the one thing you said that I think is so important is sort of 
be where you are, right? Like I think to for your story and and all of our stories in different ways, you things happen when they need to happen and and you I think like you, I have feelings like not regret. It's almost like, oh my gosh, if I could take who I am now and and put that person back 5 years and make different choices because I'm more confident and I'm more wise and I I feel like I could handle it right now. But maybe five years ago, I couldn't have handled it or 10 years ago or whatever your story is. So I loved what you said about that. It's sort of know, know what you are or kind of who you are and just do what you can in that space. Don't force it, right? And I think that, and there's that, I, I sometimes once said that the analogy, like being at a train station and being at the platform, because sometimes you're like, oh, we have to just wait for life to happen to us. No. So we have to be at that platform and be present. And when that train comes, we still need to take that step yeah. and get on that train, yeah. right? There can't be this passivity of like, oh, I'll just wait for it to be the right time. And the yes. right place. And it, then destiny will tell me that it's time for me to be gay or it's time for me to go to Peace Corps. It's time for me, whatever. No, I need to get on that train. Yeah. Right. Act, you know, yeah. I, had an, I had an amazing friend who said to me, you need to explore who you are. And I needed to do that. I still needed to take action right. on that. Right. Right. I can't. Exactly. I can't go back to some past train trip that I've been on and be like, I wish I'd gotten on that train five years ago. I can't. Right, right. Then control is where I'm going from that point forward. Well, you are a gift in my life and I love you. And I thank you for doing this with me. And I feel I can't wait to hear how you edit this all together. <laughs> it's going to be amazing helpful. and everybody's going to love it. And you're just the best. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This has been fun. Thank you, Chris, for this amazing discussion. I know people will benefit from your honesty and candor, your comments on the power of knowing and using your strengths, listening to that inside voice, even when you make mistakes and taking risks are so helpful. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable. Leave us comments and reviews and check out our webpage at TeresaFreemanAssociates.com. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and we also have a TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.